So I would like to uh, <clears throat> like to clarify something for the record here. Uh, last week, I made a comment um, that I was excited to get home to watch the Bengals game, and then I got blamed for the loss that the Chiefs had. And uh, so I, I took that, I accepted that, that probably was my fault, uh, that, that you know they couldn't cover Jamar Chase, that was probably my fault. But um, I want to say this because uh, for Christmas, my wife has, I guess, convinced that it's time for me to become a Chiefs fan. Like, she wants me to become one of you people, okay? So <laughs> she's trying very hard, so I got a... Uh, Travis Kelsey jersey for Christmas and a hoodie and a flag to hang off the side of my house. And so yesterday I wore the hoodie under the jersey with the flag hanging off the side of my house, which is the second time I've done that on a Sunday since Christmas, and the Chiefs are 2-0 and when I do that. So if I'm getting blamed for the loss last week, I get credit for the win yesterday, okay? I just want that on the record, okay? Just want to say that. Hey, we're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, just kind of dawned on me this week as I was preparing. We've been here for almost seven months now, and, and over the seven months, it's kind of flown by, and, and it's been great getting to know so many of you all. There's still so many of you I don't know yet that we're, we're learning and getting to know, but uh, I'm hoping that you're starting to get a glimpse of, of who I am, and, and, and probably over the last seven months, you're, you've, you've kind of come to this idea that, that I'm a guy who I like sports, like you've probably learned which teams I like already and which teams I like to make fun of already, and uh, you, you kind of got a, a little bit of a grasp on that. But I thought today would be a good day to teach you something new about myself. And I hesitate to do this because I really don't want to ruin any perceptions you might already have of me. Because despite this incredibly huge and rugged physique that I've worked so many years to craft, why are you laughing? Despite all of that, I was never like this great athlete. I was actually kind of a nerd when I was younger. And I'm sorry to ruin your perception of me that you've been building over these last seven months. I was actually all district two years on our quiz bowl team. Um, yeah, that was my claim to fame in high school, was all district and quiz bowl. And I say that because I've always loved trivia. Uh, in fact, one of my bucket list items is to try to go on Jeopardy one day. I've always loved trivia. Um, I've always been able to memorize the most random and meaningless facts and figures. And, and, and I don't understand this because there's been times I've been, you know, riding in the car with my wife or with my, back when I was, was younger with my mom, and I would spout stuff off, and they would just look at me. And rather than ask, how do you know that, they would say, why do you know that? You know, like what some of the tallest buildings in the world are, or, you know, why certain cities were named what they were named, or, you know, just very useful information that I feel like they need to know, but they feel like I don't need to know that. But, you know, I've always been able to do that and to associate, especially facts and figures. When I was a kid, I loved learning all the sports information I could. I, I collected baseball cards, and I would memorize the stats on the back of the cards, and I could tell you all the records in Major League Baseball once upon a I, I can't so much anymore, but all the records in baseball, and a lot of football and basketball records as well, too. And even still, I'm not as good with all those numbers now, but I, I, there's some numbers that stick out to me, that when I see a number, especially when it comes to sports, it automatically makes me think, of something specific, like, like this number here, the number 11, for example. Now, 11, on the one hand, is a number that I used to wear 
uh, in high school when I played soccer and when I was a third string kicker on the football team one year. Uh, that was the number that I wore. But number 11 for me, you know this, I'm a Cardinals fan. That's how many World Series championships the St. Louis Cardinals have won. Now, it's been a while since we've, we've got one. It's been 10 years, but hopefully this is the year that they will break my heart again, because probably what will happen. Uh, or the number seven is one for me. Kind of on the same line, I went to the University of Oklahoma. You guys know this, huge Sooner fan. Seven national championships that our football team has won. It's been a while. It was my senior year of high school that they won the last one, so I'm hoping that at some point we can get another one. But seven with OU football has another meaning, because that's how many Heisman trophies we've got. Most all time, tied with Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, it's been a couple years. Kyler Murray won the Heisman and Baker Mayfield the year before that. Uh, but seven Heisman trophies. Seven's also the number that was worn by Mickey Mantle. Some of you may remember watching Mickey Mantle play baseball. I, he was before my time, but the significance here is Mickey grew up in Commerce, Oklahoma. That's right outside my hometown of Miami, Oklahoma. It's the hometown of my wife, where she grew up. It's where my dad is from, where my grandpa is from. My grandpa was actually a year younger and grew up with Mickey Mantle. So I heard all the stories that he got to tell me about playing baseball in the backyard with Mickey and his dad and his brothers. And so he was this mythical figure for me growing up uh, that I always uh, thought, man, I wish I could have got to watch him play. Or the number 70 is big for me with sports. 70 was the number of home runs hit by Mark McGuire in 1998. And that's not the record anymore, I get that, but that summer for me was so special because I turned 16 that summer, got my first truck, and uh, I didn't listen to the radio. My dad always told me when you get your own car, you can pick the radio station. I wasn't picking 104.5, the rock station out of Tulsa, or 92.5, the pop station out of Joplin. I was listening to the local station carrying... KMOX and the Cardinals games and listen to Jack Buck and Joe Buck and Mike Shannon call history on the radio every single night on the home run chase for Mark McGuire. Or the number 23, it's, it's a jersey number, and if you're like me growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know who the number 23 belonged to. This guy right here, the best ba a basketball player of all time, best team sport athlete that I've ever seen. Six championships in eight years, and you're always going to wonder what would have happened if Michael Jordan wouldn't have decided to play baseball for two years in the middle of that. Maybe he wins eight in a row. Maybe they just continue to win over and over. A lot of kids wanted to wear 23 when they played basketball because they felt like it would make them be like Mike, and it didn't work for me, but it might have worked for some of them. Okay? But we have these numbers that stick out to us. If, if you're a Royals fan or a Chiefs fan, there's numbers that stick out to you. Maybe you know the retired numbers that they have. I wore number five for a long time in different sports I played because I loved watching George Brett. He was one of my first favorite players. I was a shortstop in baseball and wore number one in baseball because of Ozzie Smith. We have those numbers and those names that stick out to us or certain numbers that represent certain things to do with sports. Now, some of you don't care about sports and you're looking at me like, get on with this. I can see your faces. I'm being judged harshly right now. Sitting here going, man, Kurt, you know tall buildings and presidents and, and state capitals and sports numbers. You are just a wellspring of useful information. And, uh, well, I mean, you're not wrong. I <laughs> was once jokingly, I think jokingly, maybe lovingly, maybe not, I don't know, referred to by one of my cousin's best friends as the answer to the question nobody asked. And so... <laughs> You're looking at me with that same, same look in your eye today. And let me just, just throw something out there. I have a hard time thinking I'm the only person in this room who's full 
of useless information. Because I just bet I could play some songs and you're going to know the words to them. Like, let's just try. This is a crowd participation exercise. I'm going to play a few song clips and I want you to sing along. At some point, they're going to stop and let's just see if you can continue the song, okay? These are songs you should know. Let's try the first one here, Stan. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Twelve of you got that. Good job. Okay. Maybe, okay, maybe you're a little too young for Cheers. Okay, like I grew up where I kind of go to the back half of Cheers, but this one for me was, was my age group growing up. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> now this is a story all about how my life got flipped. We have two. Anybody else? <laughs> like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the... Yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? I grew up watching that every day on, on reruns. I watched the, the new ones all the time. Loved that show, okay? Or maybe it's not TV themes, okay? Let, we can get off the TV themes. Maybe there's songs that you're like, well, I don't even like that artist or I don't really like that genre, but there's some songs you just hear them and you kind of catch yourself singing along anyway, like, like this one. Sing. Stop being so spiritual. Sing along. We'll work on the pitch as we go through these a little bit here. But I appreciate the hustle. I appreciate the effort there. Now, we'll get to the Bible in a few minutes, I promise. Some of you are like, like what church did I stumble into this morning? Maybe you need to go younger. I know there's some teenagers in the room. Maybe we need to go younger. Or parents, maybe you need to go with this one that was stuck in our heads for an entire decade. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl. <laughs> always have to be. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they So when my youngest learned that song, he learned those three words, and that was it. And he'd just walk around, let it go, let it go, let it. I'm like, no, dude, you, let it go. Like, come on, let's, let's move on. Sometimes it's not even about lyrics. Sometimes you don't need to know the lyrics of a song. You just hear a beat, and you know what to do. And so I'm going to encourage you if, you, if you know this one and recognize it, stand up and join me on this one. you guys to do better than the 8 o'clock service on that one. I had two people waving hands. I got that from the, the, the seniors crowd at 8 o'clock. They looked at me like, there's a demon in this place this morning. <laughs> one more. This is a song that if you've gone to a baseball game or maybe a Chiefs game, you probably heard this one at some point, and it just gets the whole crowd into it, even if you only know three words to the song. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me. 
I just wanted to play Neil Diamond. I'm done. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not songs or, or, or music or, or sports or facts or figures. Maybe you're a movie buff, and, and I can show you some movie quotes, and you know where those came from. Like, like this one right here. You probably all know this one. Uh, May the force be with you from what? Star Wars or this one here. Uh, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Three people is all that knew that one? You guys are killing my points here from the Godfather, yes, or this one. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Some of you are like, yes, we are. <laughs> we haven't been annexed yet. Or, or one of my favorites, there's no crying in baseball from A League of Their Own. Maybe my favorite Tom Hanks movie, A League of Their Own. See, see here's the point behind all of this. It, we, we can have fun and laugh, but here's the point. All of us are fully capable of memorizing things. We are. You just showed this. And, and the one thing I hear all the time, I've heard this in every church I've ever been in, whether it was the church I grew up in or our, our home-based church in Oklahoma or when we were out in Arizona for a year or Oregon for five years, I've even heard it here, is people will say, well, I just have a hard time memorizing the Bible. But you just proved that you can memorize things. So I'll say this. We memorize what we meditate on. We memorize what we meditate on. And, and, and so the idea of, of meditation, it's this idea that meditation is a very active and deep and thorough and intentional way of diving in to a particular topic. Uh, so much so that it actually impacts your heart and your soul. If you do this with the Bible, and, and you say, well, I can't memorize but, you know, you could sing Bon Jovi like it was nothing. Then, then let me just challenge you with something here today that, that we're going to kind of camp out on this idea that you don't have a memorization problem, you, you have a meditation problem. Last week, we, we started this new series called Check It Out. And the whole idea behind this series is between last week and Easter Sunday, 16 weeks, we're going to go and work through the major themes of the Bible. And, and so we started this off last week before we, we jump into it. We started this off with talking about why the Bible matters. And if you remember last week, I gave you this quote, this verse from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where Moses says that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by the very word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. And in the midst of this particular verse that we camped out on and, and talked about last week, Deuteronomy 8, 3, I said this, that what we eat matters more than we realize. What we eat matters, both literal, metaphorical, it matters. If you put the word of God into your heart and your mind and your soul, the word of God will come back out of your mouth. But likewise, if, if you don't, then whatever you watch or read or whatever websites you go to, that will come out. It will do the same. Maybe you've, you've heard the phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. That applies to everything that we do. It's another way of saying that what you eat matters more than you realize. Uh, in the last century, there was a young boy who, who grew up in Austria. As a teenager, he lost his father suddenly to a stroke. And like many teenagers in that particular spot, he became despondent. 
He became isolated from his family. He needed to get away from the pain, and so he tried to fill that void in his life with whatever he could find. He got into art, became an accomplished artist. Uh, He started becoming a fan of the composer Richard Wagner. Wagner was known for his views on racial superiority. Uh, He started uh, going into the, the idea of following the, the works of the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, reading his writings. Friedrich Nietzsche was famous for declaring that God is dead and declaring that the weak uh, or the, 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 the strong should prey on the weak. And this young man who grew up with those influences in his life, eventually he, he was an influential person, a charismatic figure, eventually became a leader, and over the course of time became responsible for some of the most egregious and heinous atrocities ever carried out in human history. You know who I'm talking about. It's Adolf Hitler. What we eat matters more than we realize. In the Bible, we see so many references to eating. Uh, God said to the prophet Ezekiel, eat this scroll. In, In Psalm 119, we read the words, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. Or Jeremiah 15, the prophet tells the Lord, your words were found and I ate them. The Hebrews have a word to describe this. It's the word Hagah. Hagah is a Hebrew word that we see several times throughout the Old Testament, but in particular, we see it in two verses to me that really stand out. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 31. From the New Living Translation, it says, When a young lion stands growling over a sheep, it is killed. It's not frightened by the shouts and noise of a whole crowd of shepherds. Now, the image here of of a lion growling, this isn't maybe what you think. He's not protecting his, his kill. He's not threatening and trying to ward off the shepherds. My dog will do this. Okay, my dog is the least aggressive animal on the planet, like the least threatening animal on the planet. But the one time he'll growl at me, other than when I've got him really wound up and I'm playing with him and just trying to make him mad, is when I bring home a new bag of food from Costco. And I set his, it's a blue bag about this tall, I'll set it on the floor. It's not even opened. He will sit and guard it and protect it. And if I even walk towards it, he just starts to growl at me. It's hilarious because I can walk all the way to him as he growls, and he growls deeper and deeper, and then he just licks me on the hand when I get to him. He's a terrible guard dog. Like, don't feel threatened if you decide to break into my house. He's not going to attack you. Just pet him, and you'll be fine. But this isn't the type of growling this lion is doing here. It's not a threatening growl. It's not a get-away-from-me growl. It's a growl almost that could be described like a groan of pleasure. Like, Like, there's a pleasure as this lion consumes this sheep. Every ounce, every scrap, every morsel of it, it's the word Hagah. But we see this word Hagah maybe in a more well-known verse as we open up the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on this law day and night. Here, Hagah is translated as meditates. So we have this two different ways here, growling and meditates. And again, this is where some people will look at the Bible and say, well, the Bible can't get it out of its own way. It disagrees with itself. No, no, no. You take both of those and put them together and you get this picture. As that lion growls slowly and purrs slowly over that animal that's slowly devouring, so we should meditate slowly and consume every bit of the word of God. Hagah is the word our Hebrew ancestors used frequently that describes the kind of writing that impacts your soul. 
Not just writing for information, but writing for information that is life-changing. So we, saw, we talked about meditate and meditating on his word. And, and maybe, maybe we need to be honest and say that meditation here is actually too tame of a word. Because like, I, don't, I don't know what pops in your mind when I say meditate. Like maybe you think about what you've seen in a movie where somebody sits on a pillow and has their legs crossed and their hands out and there's like this soft string music playing in the background and, and that's your idea of meditation. Or, or maybe, you know, you've, you're like, well, you know, Kurt, I, I read my Bible and I meditate. I, I sit on my back deck with a cup of coffee or a glass of lemonade and I just wait for God to talk to me and, you know, you've taken kind of that spiritual approach to it. That's not wrong. That's a good practice to get into, but I don't think that's enough. I think meditation is so much more than that. Because you see that lion meditates, he haggahs on that animal until he has slowly devoured every scrap and all that's left is a pile of bones. Every ounce of meat, ligament, tendon, all of it. The internal organs, he eats it all. And he slowly consumes it. And as he growls, it's kind of this, almost like this moan of pleasure as he, he eats this animal. Maybe we have a food that does that to us. Maybe it's a big thick steak for you, or it's a slab of ribs for you, or maybe it's a pie, or a cake, or something that you just cannot get enough of, and you can't, you don't want to eat it fast, you want to savor every second that you eat that. If there's one for you, then you're kind of getting a glimpse of what it is to Hagar. The Bible is a type of writing that invites you into that type of approach. This slow, methodical, just this mm, type of approach as you read it. That's why David wrote in Psalm 38 to taste and see that the Lord is good. He tells us that. It's like when you put a lifesaver in your mouth. Are you one that chomps the candy up real fast or do you let it sit there until it's completely gone? Or maybe a candy cane last month over Christmas. Is that how you did that? That's meditation. And that's the meditation that we're invited into when it comes to the Bible. See, meditation is important, again, because we memorize what we meditate on. And I found for me, when it comes to Scripture, the more that I can memorize, the better it is for my soul, the better my foundation of my soul is and will be moving forward. So we're going to jump in and, and talk for a few minutes here. If you've if you got a Bible and you want to turn with me, I'm going to be in Psalm 119. I've got it here on the screens if you don't. But Psalm 119 is a piece of scripture that actually invites you into memorization. Now, I say that, and I'll follow it up by saying Psalm 119 is also the longest chapter in the entire Bible, 176 verses, but it's written in a way to facilitate memorization. Maybe not word for word, but at least thought for thought, because it's repetitive. There's 22 stanzas, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And you see repetition in what they tell you to do. And what we see in Psalm 119 is the idea of how we can walk with Jesus by following and studying the word. So what I'm going to do, if you will, is, is just take a few moments here and quickly give you three reasons why I think meditation and memorization is so vital. And there's so many more, but I'm going to stick with three and I'm going to go quickly because I wasted a lot of time singing Bon Jovi earlier in the sermon. But here, here's why I think this is important. Number one, meditating and memorizing on the word helps us live pure. Live a pure life. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path 
of purity by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your command. I asked you last week, do you have a verse that maybe you have on your bathroom mirror that you see every day or on the dash of your car or somewhere around your house so that you see it all the time enough that it starts to ingrain in your heart and mind and soul? This should be one of those. Because this is a prayer each one of us should be saying on a regular basis. Stay on the path by living according to your word. Seek him with all your heart. This should be a prayer. And that last little bit there to me is so important. Because I find in myself, the best way for me to avoid sin is not just strictly to avoid sin, it's to try and learn and become more like Christ and to do what Jesus did. Maybe you're this way. My kids are this way. The more I tell them what not to do, what do they do? The stuff they're not supposed to. Why? Because they're curious. That's human nature. The more you're told you can't do this, the more you kind of want to find out what it's all about. And I know for me, the more I just stare at the stuff I'm not supposed to do, the more curious I can become. So what do I do instead? I need to get in the Word of God. And I've actually found that in myself, that the the times that I start to wander, the times I start to get off track, I can step and look back and think, man, I wasn't in the Word enough right then. I wasn't studying enough right then. I wasn't praying enough right then. I wasn't being around other people who can, can hold me up and hold me accountable in those moments. The more that I can live like Christ and try to live and follow his commands, the better I can be in becoming like him and avoiding sin. Psalm 119, you see that repetition. I sat down the other day studying through this and was, was underlining stuff with, with different colored highlighters. And I started seeing this, this repet- I'd underline something about actually following him in one color and actually studying him in another color. And you just see the repetition of colors throughout this entire chapter. These same ideas that keep coming up over and over. And it's like one of the number one rules of, of, of interpreting the Bible is when you see a theme and it's repetitive, pay attention to that. Because the, the writer's trying to get a point across. The point here is simple. Follow Christ. Read the word. The better you understand it, the easier it is to follow him and live purely. Here's the second reason meditating and memorizing scripture is so important. It prepares us for battle. This isn't something that we talk about a ton in the Christian church. I grew up in a more charismatic church. We talked about this all the time. But there is a spiritual battle taking place with every single one of you. Spiritual warfare is is, is going on. The enemy wants to try and get a foothold in your heart and in your soul. And the more you can ingrain yourself in the word, the better prepared you are for that battle. That's why the psalmist says this in the next verse. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If uh, Major League Baseball can get out of its own way, they'll, they'll, they'll go out to spring training in about a month. The Royals will go out to surprise Arizona. A lot of teams will go out there and, and start preparing. Why? Because I don't want to show up the 1st of April to Kauffman Stadium and watch guys who haven't swung a bat or thrown a ball or played catch in six months. It'll be ugly. <laughs> It'll be rusty. They go out there and they get prepared for the season. If you join the military, you spend months and months in training, if not years in training. Basic training, weapons training, combat training, advanced training, etc. Why? Because day one, they're not going to give you a weapon and drop you off in a war zone. You're not going to last very long. The Bible isn't just a handbook for us to pull out when things go bad. Yes, it can work for that, but we need to be reading it and studying it and getting it so rooted in our heart and mind and soul now that we're prepared when the enemy attacks us. 
It's meant to be studied and meditated on and memorized and so ingrained in our hearts, as I said last week, that it forms the very foundation of our character. The goal isn't to just pull the Bible out when things go wrong. The goal of the Bible is to build our lives on it. And in fact, even more than that, it's it's to build our hearts and minds and to put it into our, our souls and our hearts so that we can be led into a deeper relationship with God. That, for me, has always been one of my top core values in ministry. Last church I was at, we set this as our number one core value as a church, that we exist to help lead you into a deeper and more transforming relationship with God. And even still, for me as a pastor, that's maybe my top core value is that my goal is to help lead you into a deeper, uh, more transforming relationship with God. That's what the Bible does. And the more you can hide it in your heart and put it there, the more that it's going to be there when you need it. And the more that you're going to be led down the path of righteousness where you become more like Jesus and become more like Christ. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that if you know he is righteous, then you know any, uh, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. It's, it's saying it right there. The more righteous that, uh, righteousness that you seek, you're going to discover more about God. And that comes with a promise when you seek righteousness. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you seek it, you'll be filled with it. Fill your heart with God's word. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Build up your righteousness. You do that, and God will protect you from the best shot the enemy can throw at you. I said this last week, the Bible makes your life better. That doesn't mean your life may always be easier. I know plenty of Christians who spend hours in the Bible, daily or weekly. They have struggles. We still do. But it will make your life better. And here's the thing, too. You're going to stand strong against temptation. In fact, the better you, you memorize and meditate the Bible, the better it will help protect you from the deception that the enemy might throw at you. Because if you don't think the enemy is out there trying to deceive you, man, I just got to tell you, he is. And I want to tell you this. If the enemy is trying to deceive you right now, you're in good company because he's done that with all of us. And one of the best ways that he can try to deceive, especially a Christian who knows the Bible and studies the Bible, one of the best ways the enemy will come at you is to try and twist and distort the Bible. To make you think it believe, or make you believe that it means something other than it actually does. And again, if, if he's done this with you, and he has, he's doing this through culture right now. But if he has, understand you're in pretty good company. He did this to Jesus. He came after Jesus this way. Maybe you remember the story. Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, and, and the enemy takes him, Satan takes him on top of the temple. And he says, throw yourself off here. The, God's going to protect you. He won't let you, let you die when you, you jump off here. And he quotes scripture to him to back up his claim. He quotes Psalm 91 to him. Matthew chapter 4 is the story here. And, and, and here's what it says. that If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And here's where he quotes Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that your foot uh, will not strike a stone. Now that seems like a pretty good promise, right? Except he didn't quote the whole verse to him. He left out a key part of this. Because there's what Psalm 91 actually says. For he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now you may say, well, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Here's the difference. 
Psalm 91 doesn't say, hey, do something stupid and I'll catch you. No, Psalm 91 is saying, I'm going to protect your decisions and guard your decisions and guard your heart, teaching you to do what's right. That's basically what Psalm 91 is saying here. It's not saying, hey, jump off here and and I'll I'll make gravity not work for, for the next 15 seconds. That's not what he's saying. But that's what Satan's trying to tempt him with here. Now, pause for just a second because Jesus was a good Jewish boy. He knew the scriptures. They memorized these. Like they went to, to, to school when they were kids and they memorized the Torah and they memorized the Psalms. So he knew this. But on top of that, he's God in the flesh. And Satan's telling him this. Like he's the God who, who inspired the writers to write these very words and Satan is still trying to trick him with it. If he's going to do that against God in flesh, don't you think he's going to do that against you and me? And we're seeing it right now. We're seeing culture, we're seeing other churches, other pastors, sadly, twist and manipulate scripture to fit the agenda of culture because it's an easier Christianity to follow. And I'm a firm believer of this. The enemy's not going to attack most of us head on. If you're in your word, if you're here, he's probably not going to hit you head on. He's smarter than that. And instead, what he's going to do, he's going to chip away. And one of the best ways he can is to make you question one or two words so that you pull those one or two words out. You soften it just enough that it's easier to follow, that it's more acceptable to follow. And suddenly what happens when you do this is over the course of time, you just get slightly off and you don't notice you're off until you're you're quite a ways off. And by the time you notice what you've been following, this new version of Christianity you're following is so comfortable and it's so easy to follow that now what you've been on for so long just seems so difficult and and so rigid. And I don't really want to go back to that because this is really, I think, the way it should be now. And we're seeing that happen all over the country, all over the world. The enemy would like nothing more than to make you believe that his distorted version of Scripture is actually God's Word. He'd like nothing more than that. And the best way we can protect against this church is to spend time in your word, meditate on it, memorize it, put it in your heart so that when the world comes at you, you are prepared. And that's important because here's my third reason why meditating and memorizing scripture is important. It helps you to follow his path. It helps you to stay on his path. Verse 12 of Psalm 119, it says, Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. God has created a path for each and every one of you. It's a good path. He's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to deceive you. He's not trying to to pull a trap door on you or anything like that. He has a destination for each and every one of you, and he wants you to reach that destination. Following his path will get you there. Now, I'll give you a disclaimer. His path sometimes isn't the fastest. Sometimes it's not the most fun. We can be honest about that. Sometimes, yes, it may seem rigid or redundant, but it's the path that will keep you protected. It's the path that will get you where he wants you to go. And meditating on scripture, 
will help you because it puts you more in tune with God's word so that you can get your life more intertwined with the story of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. Again, too often we go off of our path because we believe what the enemy's told us, that God's going to protect us no matter what we do. We lose that sight where it says, no, he's going to guard your heart. And he's going to help you to not make unwise decisions, but sometimes we still make unwise decisions. And then we have to deal with the fallout of those unwise decisions. We're stuck with shame and regret in our own lives, and we're stuck with the shame and regret because of the hurt we've put on other people. And those that we've, we've hurt, those that we love, we, we're left with that. And the enemy likes nothing more than to continue spinning that back in your face. That's where meditation on the word helps. Because God's freed you from that shame and that guilt. And when you meditate on his word, I, I just kind of want to clear something up on this idea of what, what meditation is. I told you earlier, it's not this idea of, of sitting on a pillow or a cloud, you know, like you might see in a movie. And it's not the same idea you might get from an Eastern religion where meditation is the idea of emptying your mind and clearing your mind. That, that's not what it is. Meditation is the opposite. It's filling your mind. It's filling your heart and it's filling your soul with the word of God. And, and the best part about this is as long as you have breath in your lungs, you're never going to become so full of God's word that you can't take in more. But the more that you put in, the greater your understanding will be. The greater your comprehension of who God really is will be. And when you do that, you'll start seeing what he has in front of you. And no, he's not going to show you the entire end and destination, but he will show you what's coming next. Keep going through this chapter in verse 105. It tells us that your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, it doesn't say there's street lights showing the entire path. What's it say? It's a lamp. What's a lamp do? It shows me my next two or three steps. It shows me what's right in front of me. The word will help you with what's next. Go down to verse 114. He says, you are my refuge and my shield. I put my hope in your word. Again, it doesn't say that storms aren't going to come your way or that arrows aren't going to be thrown your way. A shield doesn't have any use unless there's arrows being thrown your way. When they are, you can hold it up and be protected. You don't need a refuge if it's not storming. But our, his word is that for us, or verse 133, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Well, that's a prayer you could pray every day. That's a prayer you could pray every single day. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Is that something we're willing to do? Like, it's easy to say, God, help keep my mind pure, but how many of you can actually pray or want to pray, don't let any sin get a grip on me today. Don't let any sin rule over me today, God. Keep my mind focused on you. Let me follow your word. When you meditate on the word of God, you allow it to direct your life, to, as I said last week again, to become the foundation of every thought and breath you'll ever have. Meditation on God's word shows you how to change yourself to your very core. And here's the thing. Again, as long as you have breath in your lungs you can still be transformed by God. You can still be led to become more like him. No matter how old you are, if you're a teenager, if you're in your 80s or beyond, you can still be transformed. And the word will continue to do that. God has a plan for you. 
And, and as we, we launch into this 2022, I want to invite you to do a few things. Number one, I want you to invite you to be here over the next few months as we go through this series. No, we're not going to be able to cover uh, a, a class on the entire Bible between now and Easter. But we're going to at least show you here are the main themes that the Bible has. And our hope is that this triggers for you a desire to get deeper into it. But I want to give you just a couple of quick practical things you can do this week. Next week, Brad's going to be up here. He's going to hit into Genesis chapter 1. We'll jump right into it. But as we get into it, here's my thought for you this week. Last week I asked you, start reading the Bible at least four times a week. If you're already doing that, go more. Whatever you're doing, take it a step further. But here's it for this week. Three things. I want you to engage this week. Okay, engage with a group, a Bible study group. We've got Bible studies launching next week. You're going to hear the announcements in just a few moments. We've got some uh, that, that are, are teaching books of the Bible, some that are teaching uh, Christianity in America. We've got all these different types of groups. I know I'm teaching one on, on how we got the Bible, where it came from, if we can still trust it. Brad's leading one to read through the Bible this year. Uh, you can find those on our website. Okay, you can check those out. Sign up, start next week. So, so get into a Bible study group. Uh, explore the Bible. Explore the depths of it. The Bible has been called a book that is shallow enough a toddler can walk in and deep enough you can never reach the bottom. Explore the depths. Find a, a commentary or, or a, a Bible study on Right Now Media or something to help you get a better grasp and understanding of what the Bible is. But then also, too, I want you to memorize something this week. Find something that you don't have memorized from the Bible and memorize it. It can be one verse. It can be one section of verses. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not going to grade you on this next week. I've thrown all my old teaching red pens away. <laughs> but memorize it. Memorize something new from the Bible this week. Start there. Start small. Because here's the thing, folks. This, this Bible will absolutely change your life, but you have to let it change your life. Let's pray. Father, we are, are so thankful that you gave us your word. God, that we can study it, we can read it, we can listen to it, we can learn from it. But God, that you ultimately give it to us so that it changes our lives. And God, I pray right now as we, we stand here a week into this new year, looking ahead at what's coming for us as a, as, a, as, a, as a teaching series, but God, beyond that, everything that we do as a church, God, we give this year to you. And we start by putting your word into our heart and mind and soul. God, as we, as we prepare our, our hearts and our minds too, to, to step into this time of, of communion that we're about to take, God, I pray that you would always keep your son at the forefront of our thoughts. God, that you would always keep everything that we do to be about him, that we would remember him in all that we do. God, we're so grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for your word. And we pray today, Lord, as we take this moment to pause to come to the table that you've invited us to come to and to, to take these emblems with you. God, we pray today through all this that you would be with us and that we would follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.